0: Well, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor, and it's also a beautiful day to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Adalero, and with me always is my favorite neighbor. You know the guy—the guy with the bathrobe, the guy with the slippers. Kelly Grayson, KG, how are you? What are you doing driving past my house uh, in the morning when I'm outside in the bathrobe and slippers? I got to tell you, man, you're my neighbor. But uh, let's go ahead and talk. That this episode—that's <laughs> why Wednesday. my
1: neighbors don't like me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This episode of Inside EMS is sponsored by ImageTrend, the creators of a free mobile app for first responders is crew care. It's time to thrive. You know, Kelly, you and I have done a lot of work in this mental health space for first responders, and you and I made it our mission about, I don't know, maybe it was three or four years ago, mm-hmm. that we just were not going to stop talking about this until we really kind of had some breakthrough, whether it was from organizations, whether it was from you know associations, but we really needed to address you know first responder mental health and you know we got a great sponsor in image trend who's got an awesome app that we're going to talk about mid show but we also are now seeing best practices that are happening in our career field you know and in with our with our peer organizations you know our fire service and even the police department about how they're dealing with mental health and today I got to tell you we're really excited to take a seat at the guest table with BJ Jungman he is the fire chief in Burnsville, Minnesota, Chief, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Thanks guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, I don't hope that was your excited voice, but uh, <laughs> one of the things we got to do Chief first is welcome you. But you know, when we think about, you know, this 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 problem of first responder mental health and and you're in the fire service, you know, we're worried about EMS, but we're seeing it everywhere. We're seeing it in the fire service. We're seeing it with our police brethren. I, I mean, this just isn't a new problem. I mean, why isn't that we haven't gotten a grip on this sooner?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's specific to EMS or fire. I think it's all a public safety. I think, you know, a lot of times we even think about dispatch and we forget about them. And I, I think they're they're part of it as well Is you know, we see things that we're not going to forget that affect us. And I think, um, you know, as we're going to talk about today, a lot of this is cultural. And I think, you know, for many times we think we're there to help people and, and we just bury this stuff inside and and we move on with our day and we just accept it as part of the job. You know, it's it's hard, I think, for a lot of us to, to ask for help. I mean, I, I've been on an ambulance and, and been a paramedic for close to 20 years. You see some pretty gruesome stuff in, in the public safety world. Although we like to have fun and joke around, it's uh, not always the most supportive environment when you start to have issues and you're looked upon differently. And I think... Um, we're at a pivotal point where we're discovering this stuff, or we've known about it and just never addressed it. And I think it's it's time that we address it and that we uh, kind of get people out of the shadows with some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, that BJ, that's one of, been one of the focuses of our podcast, uh, as Chris mentioned, for close to three years now, is destigmatizing the whole idea of provider mental health and provider mental illness. Um, it's you know the mantra is it's not it's not what's wrong with you, it's what's happened to you. Uh, and I think we, we've, you know, we, we're starting to see uh, a build in that movement, and and at least among other providers, uh, the the stigma is starting to to fade, and 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 hopefully even become erased. Uh, There's still a few dinosaurs out there that you know that think you need to you know toughen up, Buttercup, and 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 that sort of thing, but. Um, with advo- uh, advocacy organizations like the Code Green Campaign and 911 uh, Buddy Check and, and uh, organizations like that, we've we've done a real good job of crowdsourcing uh, peer support. Um, what is still absent is is some kind of meet uh, where. Agencies and employers and, and providers start actually providing support for their people in some way other than uh, we, we like you, we care for you, um, hope it gets better. Um, something tangible would, would be really nice and hopefully the next step in the, in the evolution.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that's hard because it's, um, it, it's hard for people because it's a really delicate topic. And I think you see that, you know, uh, people in our profession love their job. And the first thing they think about is, well, if if this is, you know, people find out about this, am I going to still be able to, to do this career? And people don't want to get shuffled out. And, um, you know, and everybody takes a little different approach to how they get help for mental health. And I think, as you talked about, a lot of it is destigmatization, and it might seem semantics, but you you hear a lot of talk about PTSD, and the, the D stands for disorder, and the last thing people want is a disorder, right? And, you know, the more we can get this, it's an illness, just no different than whether mm-hmm. it's breaking your arm or getting an infection. It's the same thing, and there's help out there for you. And I think it's difficult for us, and the the profession we're in is, you know, I'm guessing like most agencies, we see a lot of mental health calls, and we transport a lot of these folks. And Mm -hmm. um, on the mental health spectrum, we see the worst of the worst. Um, Those are the folks that we're transporting on our transport hold. And I think lots of times we link to, well, if I go get help, that's what I'm going to be like. And there's this whole other spectrum, 95% of the spectrum, where people are are living day to day and coping really well and getting help and outpatient help. And, uh, you know, um, I think it's hard for us to, to ask for that help and take that that plunge to to take the next step, but it's an important piece, and I think it it not only helps the person, but it helps the profession, and it helps um, helps us be more healthy.
0: Yeah, and I think that one. Of, and I think that one of the things you bring up, you know, is the stigma. I mean, you use the term disorder, but it's even when people need to use some type of you know, uh, you know, happy pills, whether it's Zoloft, whether it's oh. Prozac, whether, I mean, and I keep saying the same thing. I think we're all starting to say the same thing. You know, if you had a heart problem, and you had to take Cardizem, would that be okay? You know, if you had blood pressure issues, or if you had, you know, diabetes, would you take insulin? We, we've got to be able to be okay with that. But chief, here, here's my question for you, because I've said this for a lot of years, and I, I have to really start bringing some proof to this. You know, back in the day, and I said this last week, and Kelly kind of got on me about, tell us how it was back in the day, but we would go out (laughs) to a call, and we would see whatever it was that we saw, and we would go ahead and, you know, close the call, and we'd get back to the station, and we'd sit around the table, and we would talk about what we just saw, and we would talk about how we felt about the call, and we would talk about how we would have done things differently the next time, or, you know, you did a really good job. But today... We're seeing a lot of the new workforce or the newer generation that when they come back, they're getting on their phones and they're getting on their computers and they're compartmentalizing what they're seeing. Is there any is there any challenge to this as we now get into this new generation that maybe we just need to get them to sit about the table again like we used to and, and talk about what we saw?
2: Yeah, I think you drive home a good point there. And that, that happens well before that, that bad call they went on, right, is is how do they interact with the crew and their supervisor on a day-to-day basis well before this call ever happened. Is that, is that normal? Is that every day they're on their phone? And I, I do think the electronic piece brings a whole new challenge. Um, and I think we need to start that on day one when we, when we hire people is set them up so that they are interacting, and that is the culture, and that is the expectation of the organization that we're talking to people. <laughs> and let's continue to learn from each other's um cases because that's the best way to learn we don't all we're not all going to experience everything but we sure can learn from each other and i also think it's healthy um from a from a mental uh wellness standpoint that they are talking about these calls when we come back and i I do think you know the social media aspect brings a whole different animal to that that is a new challenge and i think we need to bring back more of that interpersonal communication and that personal Mm -hmm. touch
1: yeah, that, that, that's always been, for me, the the dichotomy with modern uh, communications. And, and we, as a world, have never been as interconnected as we are right now, yet we've never been as isolated as we are right now. There's something about humanity that's lost over an Internet connection, uh, not to mention manners. <laughs> so, right. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we can talk, and we, but at some point on a Facebook thread, you know, Oh my gosh! Hopes and prayers um, rings a little hollow after a while, um, and something like a, a even a private message or just a just a phone call um, or or personal interaction. I call it beer and nachos therapy. Um, that that sort of thing has has largely become missing, and we need to get more of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I like I said, I think we set the stage for that. When when how do we train these folks, and what are the expectations on day one? And if we're letting that happen day in and day out as an organization, we need to, we need to think about what, what we're setting our folks up for and, you know, they can do whatever they want when they're off duty, but when they're on duty, how do we get them engaged in the organization and and communicate? And, you know, is it more time consuming? Absolutely. But I think we need to take the time and, and and, and, as leaders in organizations and spend time with our folks and communicate Um, because that's very valuable. And I think people appreciate that. And it's, it's easy to push out emails, mm-hmm. it's easy to, to um, you know, have internal websites and all that that have all the information, but nothing really beats that face-to-face interaction. Like you said, there's a lot that gets lost in that electronic transmission, and, you know, you don't have that personal touch, and you don't, it can be interpreted so many different ways, and you don't have those non-verbals And verbals yeah. um, and then we start talking about coming back from that difficult call, and how do you really get them that empathy and that sympathy of... of you know, support over something like
0: that. You know, so I'm really excited that you're here, Chief, and we're going to really switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about your organization and and the change in organizational culture when it comes to mental health and culture. But, But before we do that, you know, we've got a new sponsor, Image Trend, and we talked about Crew Care. And Crew Care is a free mobile app designed to equip first responders with resources for better mental health. This app is for individuals to anonymously track daily happenings in order to gain insight into stress loads and associated factors that contribute to mental health. Crew Care was created by ImageTrend, a software solutions company dedicated to the emergency response industry. ImageTrend wants to give back to the first responder community by making this tool available for free. Download Crew Care from the App Store, Google Play, or visit CrewCareLife.com today. It's not about being resilient. It's about thriving with Crew Care from ImageTrend. And I got to tell you I mean just reading that I, I am so excited and I can't wait to download this app myself so I can see what's going on because I think that this was going to be a great tool when we talk about bringing mental health to the forefront you know a tool like this could really help but chief I you know before we you know read that ad we wanted to talk about your culture and and what you've done in Burnsville Minnesota and, you know, one of the things that we were talking about before we started was, I don't know necessarily that you had a program, is what you said to me. I said, well, tell me a little bit about your program. And then you said this is really a culture change. But one of the other things I noticed that you did as we were talking, you know, before the, the break was, you changed mid-sentence from saying mental health mental wellness which gave me the cue to say you're making part of this culture so I just want to go ahead and kind of touch on what you're doing there but you know you kind of corrected me in the beginning to say it's not a program you know this is something we're just doing so maybe you could tell us a little bit about it yeah
2: and and I think you're absolutely right is we had that discussion is it's really not one specific program and I think that's difficult for us because it's kind of in this gray space and we're in our industry we're fixers people have problems we want to come fix them so what do we fix it with and I think lots of times we get stuck in this thing of well my organization or my people have you know this mental health thing and how do I deal with that and it's complex and so I, I got to find the right program well there's not a one-size-fits-all and I can tell you over our experience is it's been more about the culture And yes, do we have EAP? Absolutely. I can tell you, you know, from a programmatic standpoint, one of the things I found out um, in my early years as chief is we got an EAP program because we're required to have one. It was part of our health insurance. They had no clue about public safety. They had no, they didn't track who was interested in helping public safety. I actually had an employee go and the therapist was like, what do you want me to do for you? Um, I, I need to go get help after what I just heard. And so we've changed EAP providers that, that track and find provide, uh, mental health providers that are interested in working with public safety. Um, but that's just an example of one program. Really, it's our health and wellness committee that's been rock stars that have, have done a lot of stuff around training. Every year we bring in some um, agency or outside organization to, to do additional training and awareness around mental health, whether that's a psychologist, whether that's... Um, you know, some other mental health provider that can pro- give us some more information around uh, emotional wellness and, and mental health in our industry. So we've made it a focus. Um, we've made it okay that they, they reach out for help. Um, we want them to ask for help, and I think a big thing about that is creating that trust in the organization and that culture, and a lot of it is the unknowns. is If I go seek help, how am I going to be looked at? How am I going to be treated? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I was – looked at like at a third eye for a while from some of my peers is I treat this no different than a back injury or any other illness is if someone comes in and says hey I need to go get help all right what do we need to do to get you help what's that look like and that might be different for everybody someone might want to go through AP, EAP someone might want to go find their own practitioner uh, whatever that might be through their own insurance and then once they go get help I trust that the help they're getting is what they need unless they tell us otherwise. So if they come back from their mental health provider and they have a, a workability form that says they are return to full duty, they return to full duty. If they need to be off for a while, they get help. They fill out the, the workability form, no different than anyone else, and they're on restricted duty or light duty or off uh, full duty, whatever it might be. And we trust that, and I'll tell you the first few times that old culture was, well, how do we know that they're okay when, when they say they're okay to come back? What if, they, what if they're not okay? What if they make bad decisions or, or snap? And you go, well, how do we know when the person with a back injury comes back to work, can actually lift? What happens if we're in the middle of lifting someone down the stairs on a cardiac arrest and their back gives out? We have to place the same trust in this system. And that's really been the focus is being clear with people about what the expectations are. And what the process is and that we're there to support them and we treat it no differently if someone comes back to work with a back injury and they're at work and they can't do lifting and they're not willing to go get assessed we'll send them for a fit for duty evaluation the same thing happens if someone's at work and can't seem to do the job from a mental illness that's when we'd, we would trigger that med- that fit for duty eval but we treat it no differently than we would any other illness
1: and and that's the way it should be treated. You know that, that uh, I'm I'm gratified to hear uh, the way you're changing the culture at your agency, and, and and that's that's something that needs to be emulated by, you know, every EMS and public safety agency. Uh, when, when you switch from calling it mental illness to to men, to, to uh, wellness, um, that's that's an example of how we need to shift the narrative. Uh, I particularly like Z Dog MDs. Uh, term moral injury he says it's not burnout it's not depression it's not PTSD it's moral injury and and, and looking at it in that fashion is, is a way to kind of reframe the dialogue uh, that it is indeed as you put it, it's an injury and it's something that needs help uh, and <clears throat> on your uh, on your point about uh, changing EAP providers man I encountered a, a, a sheriff's deputy and paramedic uh, at a conference in in Tennessee who, who came up to me after after my talk and told me about uh, a call that he had run uh, as a paramedic, uh, and it and it turned out to be a, a murder victim. He didn't realize it at the time. But a little girl was drowned by someone, and and uh, the man broke down in tears uh, in the middle of a conference hall in front of two hundred and fifty people. Uh, and, and all I could do was my, my girlfriend stepped between he and I and the, and the rest of the crowd, and I just I, I just you know uh, put my arm around his shoulder and and uh, cause if there's anything more embarrassing than one big burly guy cry, crying in front of 250 people, it's it's two of them. So yeah. I um and and I asked him had he gotten any help, and he said no. He said first you know they wanted me to attend a a debriefing. He said, but I work with those people. I'm not going to get up there and talk in front of a bunch of people. And I said, "What about EAP?" And he said, "Those people are—they cap it at five visits, um, and, and that's all I get. And after that, I have to—I have to go see a psychiatrist. And and the office visits for psychiatrists are my my uh, my uh, insurance only pays for for half of that. So I'm going to be spending a hundred bucks a uh, hundred bucks a week to go see a psychiatrist. And the EAP people." Have no idea what it's like to work in public safety. They don't know. They don't care. They don't relate with us. It's pointless. So it's nice that you're uh, you're you're actually seeking EAP providers who are, um, you know, counselors who are actually interested in serving public safety and dealing with our unique needs. I, I think that's something that uh, um, that the rest of us need to do as well. Maybe you can you can provide us in the show notes where 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 an agency can go to kind of kind of find those people.
2: Yeah, and so we did a lot of research and, and looked at different EAP providers and made it very intentional, and it cost, no doubt it costs our agency more to have that EAP provider than the one that comes with the health insurance, but it's Money one that actually man. works. Yeah. Absolutely, and not only did we take the list from the EAP provider, because the first EAP, EAP provider wouldn't even provide me a list of mental health providers. I said, so what if one of my firefighter paramedics calls today and says, I want to get help, who are you going to send them to? Well, it depends on the day. I'm like, right now and it took me three months to get a list out of them, and they said it could change tomorrow. I'm like, that's fine. So with this new EAP providers, we got a, a list from them, and then we um, we cross-referenced that with our health insurance, so we found out who was in-network, and we created a list within our organization of a half-dozen uh, mental health providers that are in-network for us and also in EAP mm-hmm. so that they can go get those those first initial visits paid for by EAP and then can roll over to be in-network insurance so it's affordable and try to take away any of those barriers um, that we found. And, again, that's that's our health and wellness committee that's really engaged in our department and wants to take this on. And that's the nice thing is, like, you can start this from the top, but you really need a groundswell from the organization that they want to do something about it too because I can sit... You know, myself and the assistant chiefs can sit here and say, we need to do this, we need to do this. But, again, it's that relationship with your folks and getting them engaged in it and and buying into that this is a problem and we need to all be part of the solution.
0: Right. Chief, that's a, that's a great transition to my next question. Uh, and I was setting up to ask you was, how did you get the workforce involved in this culture change? I mean, because when we think about... The people who are, you know, in the trenches who are really doing the most damage, you know, to the, the people that uh, they're working with. And Kelly Grayson, you know, said this uh, a few years back, and I just love saying it. You know, we're supposed to be the most compassionate, and the person who's sitting 18 inches from us, you know, in the cab of that ambulance needs our help, and, you know, we're not giving it to them. So how did you bring this around to the workforce, to your to your folks to say, okay, as we go forward, this is how we're handling it?
2: Yeah, and I think there were two steps to that. Um, and let me just hit on the mental health component real quick uh, of the patients. Is we're transporting, like I talked before, is the worst of the worst of those patients. And then on the way back from the hospital, your partner's complaining, uh, you know, I don't understand why we're taking these mental health patients. You know, we can use our skills better otherwise. It's just a waste of time, whatever. Well, if your partner next to you is the one going through a mental health crisis, do you think they're going to reach out to you and say, hey, man, I need help, you know? Um, so in our own ambulance, like you said, 18 inches away, we're eating our own. Um, so that, I can tell you, we had uh, a department meeting and I drew a clear line in the sand for that piece and said, no more. We are not complaining. These are patients. They are medical patients. As paramedics, we all went through a piece on, on mental illness and we are here to provide patients or, uh, compassionate care to these folks and we're not there to judge their emergency. They called 911 for help. We are their help. We are the safety net service for our community. We take care of our community regardless of what their illness or injury is. And so we really set the stage um, for that. And then um, the second piece was um, one of my assistant chiefs um, went through some significant uh, mental health challenges and went got help, um, some significant outpatient help. And he was brave enough and willing enough to... Talk about that when he came back, and I'll tell you that was uh, that was profound. You know, I know he had the the worry when he came back is what's the workforce going to think, and and are they going to support me, and what's that like? And I will tell you, it's been nothing but support, and that really opened up the conversation in the organization. And so I think when you have those stories of people went and got help, encourage them to be brave and talk to their peers about it is more impactful than anybody as a leader can do
1: it sounds like you've you've done a great job Chief, at getting buy-in from your from your crews uh and 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 um you know getting them to embrace this this culture change And, and speaking from personal experience you know it's um nothing helps ease burnout uh like, like knowing that the agency you're working for actually cares, you know, and, and right. decreasing decreasing that moral injury because uh, there's there's tangible proof that you actually care about their welfare and, and are willing to, to put teeth in your policy and, and actually do something about it. That, that sounds uh, like like the kind of agency I'd, I'd love to work for. So my question for you is, is what advice do you have uh, for other agencies that need to change the way they do things. what What were the perils and pitfalls you went through? Uh, and if someone wanted to to emulate uh, the culture change that you've implemented at your department, how would they first go about it?
2: I, I think first, you got to look in the mirror, and are you really all in on this? Um, because if you're not all in, people will see through the the thinness of your compassion. So I think you need to look at the mirror, and then secondly, look at your policies and procedures and make sure that, that they're set up and that they're clear on expectations. And then after that, it's it's about building those relationships and making it okay to talk about this. And if you're the the head of the organization, then you need to start instilling that in your supervisors, So oh, this is how we're going to handle this stuff. And create that intentional conversation at every layer of the organization. And regardless of whether you're a leader or not and you're listening to this podcast, is everybody can make a difference. As I talked about, everybody, you know, if you're the paramedic in the ambulance and you're talking poorly about the mental health patients and your partner next to you is, is going through some mental health issues themselves, yeah. they're not going to talk to you. At a frontline supervisor level, what are you doing when you know that they've gone on some of those tough calls? And as we know, there's, you you, you have that kind of compiling piece that leads to some of this and then you kind of have the acute one incident where people have a connection with it and and it creates issues and, you know, everybody, everybody's triggers a little differently on those things. So what are you doing to follow up with your folks and seeing how they are, you know? Do you only see your supervisor a couple times a year when you get a performance review, or are they truly checking in regularly with you and finding out how you're doing um, and finding out who you are? So I think at every level of the organization, people can be impactful without making these huge, significant changes but if you're the the head of an organization, and you want to you want to lead a culture change. Is you got to start with yourself first, and what do you believe yeah. in? And, and then after that, you can start looking at these things. But they're not huge things. It's more about the compassion, the relationship, and the communication, and the intentional conversation about it than it is any of the tangible stuff.
1: And that's an excellent uh, note to end the show on, BJ. And we appreciate it. Um, Folks, you've heard what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. We've talked for so long about bottom-up change uh, for mental wellness and, and peer support. Now you've heard how one agency is affecting that change from the top down. What's your agency doing to support your mental wellness? We'd like to hear your thoughts. We'd like to give you uh, you to give a shout-out to your agency if they're doing it right. Email us at theshow at ems1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Savalero. And our special guest this week, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.